Sweet. Welcome to this week on Planet Internet, a Hacker Noon podcast. I'm David, and today we have Richard from Engineering and Amy from the Internet. All right. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to talk about <laughs> Zoom, Zoom in court, Zoom bombing, Spirit Airlines, the travel industry, and something called the ownership economy. So I will share my screen for all of our audio listeners. Video listeners. Our audio <laughs> listeners won't appreciate you sharing your screen. <laughs> so our first article today is from CNBC and many other places covered this. Zoom reaches an $85 million settlement over user privacy and hacker Zoom bombing. And for those of you who have been living under a rock or haven't been Zoom bombed before, the Wikipedia definition is unwanted disruptive intrusion, generally internet trolls, into a video conference call. In a typical Zoom bombing incident, a teleconferencing session is hijacked by the insertion of a material that is lewd, obscene, racist, homophobic, I, I don't even know if I should say all these words, typically resulting in the shutdown of a session. And that term popularized last year because of COVID-19 forced many to stay at home and video conference became used large at scale. Some perspective on the background of what is this cost? How much, what does 85 million mean? Zoom as a whole, it looks like they made about 2.65 billion last year. And then the year before that, 623, 623 million. So a pretty big jump from the pandemic. Ooh, and I imagine it's yeah. going to keep going up. So yeah, 4X, but when you think of 85, even before the jump, you're looking at a couple percent of their revenue. It's not like, this is a notable thing, and it's, but it is 85 million divided by 2.65 billion. It's not really changing the bottom line, but it is interesting to see the platform held liable for other users of using it. I'll let I'll pass this one off to the two of you. Excellent. <laughs> um We've never been Zoom bombed before, at least not in the duration that I've been working with Hacker Noon before. But what if Zoom bombing became like a business technique? Hear me out. What if we started hacking people's Zooms and then just being like, while I'm here, do you want to become a Hacker Noon contributor? <laughs> yeah, that's going to go very well. Is it a viable yeah. business strategy? <laughs> it's pretty low stakes bombing. <laughs> Lots of risks for little rewards. <laughs> I'm not really that big of an internet troll, though, so I don't really know what else I would Zoom bomb about. Here's more about the cost penalty here. Subscribers in the proposed class action would be eligible for 15% refunds on their core subscriptions or $25 cash, whichever is larger. Others <laughs> could receive up to... $15. So wow. this, it's really um, a pretty, when you have a lot of users, 85 looks like a lot, but it's okay. It's one hour of minimum wage. If you Thanks follow all these boots, that'll take you over an hour. You can get your $15. I so guess that's something like- I think they need to be spending more on this issue? I don't know. What do you think, Richard? 
I was just thinking like everyone was getting all upset about how none of the money was going to be going back to users. Like I think a year ago, there was some other issue with the end to end encryption was another thing that they got in trouble with. And they were like none of the money that they were being fined. It was just all going to go to the FCC, I think. So it's, I guess it's a step in the right direction, but I wonder where they do come up with this value. And is it more about zoom bombing or is it the, your data being leaked? And where do they, yeah, how do you come up with a dollar amount to compensate someone for that? That it quote unquote violates user privacy, which just, it's just people joining your Zoom call. The other thing is that they're sending all this data to like Facebook and Google. They have all sorts of trackers in there. Like, uh, I think it's a great point that even if the money's small, at least it's going to the users and not the government. That's a, that does feel like a real step in the right direction. It's also notable that this is settling a lawsuit. So this is getting away of future claims are being gone. So I don't know how much mm. they bought of like other problems getting out of. Yeah, that's... So what, if this happens, right? Because they said they have changed like their their practices or getting rid of some of these trackers, which I, I think is probably the bigger issue, right? Selling your data. They're exempt from any more lawsuits of this type. I guess, <laughs> or maybe this type that happened in this period. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. They're also seeking another $21 million for legal fees. Okay, the company had 497000 customers with more than 10 employees in April, up from 81000 in January 2020. This is changing our culture. They have ridden the wave. Have you two, have either of you ever been paid in a class action lawsuit, like from any of these companies? No. I think I got some free credit report watching when uh, was Experian or something had some data leak. That's about as good as it got for me. Oh, we're going to get to Spirit later. How much did you get from them? I don't know. Like, it was Expedient or something. I think oh. that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. How much did you get? Was it more than... It was basically that they would, would, they'd watch your credit uh, score and activity for, I don't know, a few years, maybe five years or something like that. Not bad. I have not received any payouts from a lawsuit, no. I received something like around this amount from LinkedIn. Back in the day, their growth strategy was when you connected your email, they emailed all of your contacts about LinkedIn. This is the right. early days of notifications. I remember that. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> and they were like, maybe that's not such a good idea. And I, I guess I was in one of those things. And then I think, hmm. I, think I got some money. We'll have to look it up, like 10 or $12. And that's why you're still with them today, right? My my address book. That's how much it's worth. (laughs) Now you're a (laughs) lifelong user. (laughs) Yeah. It it didn't deter you from stopping using it. That's like, I was wondering about Zoom. Is anyone going to care enough to be like, I don't want to use this anymore? I think, no, I think this is more fitting the bracket of like future taxes. It's like Mm. you had some sort of minor tax on society and it doesn't (laughs) affect like, I'm not breaking up with you, but you have to make up for it in a really Mm. small level. So I, yeah. I don't know. It seems petty, but funny. If someone had Zoom bombed me, I would be like, yeah, you've inconvenienced me to a $25 level. <laughs> you need to pay me $25 now. 
Now, what if, what the scarier part is like the worst zoom bombings are much larger. They could be, they, you could zoom bomb a crime. You zoom bomb someone and it's there, a crime is it's happening true. there. Now we're two levels. And does this court case affect the ability to like try something more serious? I don't know. Like is zoom now not liable for the, the more serious crimes that happen on the platform? Facebook is not liable for anything that goes down on Facebook live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move to our next one about uh, Zoom affecting culture as well. And uh, this one is titled The Pitfalls of Court Hearings on Zoom, published by The Markup, also published on Hacker Noon. And this goes through what's going on in the court systems and how much were they affected by having to do all this stuff remotely. There's plenty of funny videos out there about not knowing the cameras on. This, this is more of a, a more serious take about the tax that it has on these people's lives. Here's a quote here about the dehumanizing effect of video. Video hearings are also putting defendants at a visual and auditory disadvantage, research shows. People seem less like people when seen through a screen, like you're looking at us right now, and this has had an impact on the outcomes. Studies have shown that people are more likely to be deported at immigration hearings if they appear on video than in person, and people applying for asylum are less likely to be granted it over video. And then we have the criminal defense attorney quote, the way to judge credibility is to be in the room with somebody, not over camera. Interestingly, the defendant is the humanizing one, or you're trying to humanize. And then once you go through a screen, now the, the defendant is the loser, is what they argue here. What do you guys think of this? I don't, do you guys, have you had a sense for that intuitively that folks are less, uh, like this dehumanizing effect, that people are less credible over a video call? We're a remote company that meets uh, regularly on calls. Is that... I, I can't imagine I've ever perceived it noticeably. Yeah, but we're meeting because we want to work on the same things. These guys are meeting because they have two very different opinions about That's what fair. happened in the yeah. incident. Sure. Yeah, I was just wondering if that if it's ever come up or resonated with you at least. I feel like people definitely hide behind a screen in the sense of at least text-based commenting of the fact that that's definitely dehumanizing. People will say a lot more over comments than they would ever in person. So I can imagine that the ability to leave the Zoom meeting, or I guess maybe you don't have that in a court system, but in general, the ability to leave a Zoom meeting is like easier than the ability to leave a in-person conversation. And so maybe it's more dehumanizing then. Yeah. Like this reminds me of that idea that it's like hard to, it's a bit of a stretch, but I think the quote's like, it's hard to hate someone up close, right? Like you do lose like a lot. It's hard to like not care about someone if you've really get in their shoes and uh, understand where they're coming from, right? So I think that's like an old idea that yeah. comes through here. Another thing is video has a beautiful power of just being able to turn the volume down. <laughs> I don't really like what you're saying, so I'm just going to turn the volume down or mute you. And then it's not as much of a problem for me anymore. Yeah, and I think, like, too, I feel that since I've been working at Hacker Noon and maybe been in, like, slightly more of a public-facing role, I've noticed that every so often people will tend to get butthurt about us rejecting a story and that's the nature of the game we have to reject some stories and we 
we publish others, but every once in a while people will get angry and they'll forget that there's real humans behind the screen and that we're really here and we have lives and we do things and we're people and they like to complain and that's very dehumanizing too. So I think, yeah, the ability to hide behind the screen in any kind of sense allows people to bring out the worst in themselves for whatever reason. So Sinbag famously coined it as the keyboard gang. Once they have that keyboard, they're a gangster. You yeah. meet them in person. Yeah. <laughs> warriors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I'll say to all of the haters out there? Meet me in the streets and meet my fist. <laughs> my small, tiny fist. I'll fight you. <laughs> It does make you wonder too about folks that just don't have like good technology. Like, like how, what kind of a phone are you using? What kind of internet connection do you have? It makes you like wonder why people didn't choose the option of just like finding a way to meet in person in a safe way during the pandemic. There's, you can move events outdoors into settings like that. I'm surprised there's not more of that. Law is very rigid, don't you think? As an industry, I feel. Like, even the them moving to virtual platform is, like, revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, right. Let well, alone move outside. Like... Richard, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I don't know how much more of a stretch it is, but it seems like that it's more of a stretch, right, to put it online and to do it over a phone call. Early pandemic, like, whenever they said non-essential, like, you can't meet people. A courtroom has how many, just between the judges and the cops, like how big is the courtroom already, then a defendant, and then two other lawyers. It's suddenly you're already at the 10 person limit pretty quickly. Like mm. in the early days of the pandemic, it was like a 10 person meeting. No way. Get out of here. You can't do that inside. I know like in the past, like they just completely adjourned like all court cases for like months on end with previous pandemics, at least in the United States. But I don't think that's very feasible with some of the cases that they need to resolve sooner than later. Was the last one like the Spanish flu or a hundred years ago, but there's I'm some sort of precedence. surprised that this guy made it through the whole article without referencing the cat zoom <laughs> law incident <laughs> where he was like, I'm, I'm not a cat. I swear I'm a lawyer. He's hiding behind the cat face. <laughs> <laughs> What we need is the metaverse. We're just the technology hasn't kept caught up yet that we don't have our virtual oh. uh, personas and avatars where we can really become a cat in full uh, rich detail. That's did, the problem here. Did you say the gaming metaverse? I did content? say the gaming metaverse. Boom. There you go. Keyword the gaming metaverse, but make it the courtroom. <laughs> this is the court, yeah. Hacker Dude is now, if you submit with gaming metaverse as the tag in your story, you enter in to win up to, what do we got? 5,800 a month. We're giving away five winners a month. Gaming metaverse. Okay, We're giving away someone sand. needs to submit Greens. a hypothetical story about a law court gaming metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I will upvote that one. Isn't that, it wasn't a Blade Runner? Is that what that one was? Judge Dredd. Or no, was it... <laughs> Total Recall. What was the one where Arnold goes to court and then they send him into the game show? If he gets out the other side, he <laughs> survives. I have no idea. All right, someone oh, that sounds awesome on that. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Judge Dredd. That sounds way cooler. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our next story. It's about Spirit Airlines. Mm. Has anyone ever ridden Spirit? 
Have you guys no. ridden Spirit? I don't think so. I've heard horror stories about the uh, cramped conditions, for sure. <laughs> Lots of complaints. Yeah, I've never, I've never done it actually, but they have decided to start canceling flights left and right from the article. As of Tuesday evening, Spirit Airlines canceled 60% or 416 of the day's flights due to operational issues that have impacted the carrier for three consecutive days where they've gone up. Spirit's official statement on the subject is, we are experienced operational challenges in some areas of our network. Before going to the airport, check your email and flight status here. The fastest way to receive assistance is through web chat. So you cannot talk to a human and your flight is most likely canceled. <laughs> also, we didn't notify you. you. <laughs> uh, let's take a minute here for the replies just to see the organic oh, yes. discussion Excellent. about the great news. Thank you, Spirit Air. You have left me stranded in the Dominican Republic for two days. Gate agents will call Spirit number for assistance. We have been trying for two days. What the fuck is going on? And sorry to hear about this. Please DM us. <laughs> Thanks, Spirit. <laughs> so we can take a closer look. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Make sure uh, so I researched right. the story a little bit in the, one of the ironic things is like the layoffs actually aren't really killing the stock price uh, year to over the last year, it's still up overall and it's only down 10 or 20%. And NASDAQ actually had an article coming out saying they're getting back on track. And this is, they should be a smaller company that runs less airlines and like the ones they're getting rid of are the ones that aren't as profitable. So there's two things going on of all their customers hating them, but there's always going to be someone who's the cheapest flight. Like someone mm -hmm. who charges for the penny, charges for the bottle of water, charges for all of it. So I think while they're really getting roasted across the internet, rightfully and what they're doing is not morally sound, I don't think, but that's their own opinion. They're stranding all these customers, but I don't think it's going to actually penalize them and from a business sense in the long term is my between the lines reading. Wait, <laughs> um, hold like on. The, the... So are you saying that after reading about this 60% cancellation rate, you're ready to book a spirit flight? No, I wasn't <laughs> yeah, okay. a spirit flight. If I had a choice, I don't think I would book a spirit flight like in general. Just the other airlines all seem bad, but I'm saying there's always going to be someone who's the cheapest airline. It's really hard to get into all these airports and they have the government still paying them a lot of money and they're getting rid of their least efficient flights. I think they're going to survive as a business. And I think even though it looks like they're like tanking, I think the business will be fine, but it's just, they hurt a lot of people. <laughs> there's a lot of people yeah. that are being they're stranded gonna... a whole 72 hours later. I finally get connected to a sport agent. And look at this. I don't know which emoji, emoji to use. It is very rare that just today the support numbers are not working. <laughs> very rare. Even the day we laid off everybody. <laughs> wow. It's insane. Do that you think that they will need to rebrand? United you know we're getting into already though, right? So nothing's really changed. This has been like, known about for like, a decade already, right? Look like, at this, this social just... media espionage here. United, come, canceled my flight <laughs> while on the way to the airport. Flying United from now on. Official United account comes in. We're glad, we're glad to, to have, to have, you, have you on board, board Jeff. 
We're watching closely. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> All these tweets yeah. are great. <laughs> so what do you I think? I don't know what you can glean from the stock market or the, the stock price is not changing or actually going up though. I, I don't understand stocks and how they go up or down regardless. I, I don't think they're rooted in any sort of reality anyways. Yeah. It's rooted in like the market, the perception, it's just an aggregate of people buying and selling. So if you look mm-hmm. at five days, which is basically the course of this news, you're mm-hmm. going from like 29 to 26. And then mm-hmm. you look at them six months ago, this is their six month low, basically. But then you look at it, a year ago, they were even lower mm. you know, down here. Okay. So can you Google oh, when the last Spirit Airline scandal was? <laughs> Too many. You, you have to oh. be more specific about the scandal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's the kind of company we're looking at. But it's 75 bucks to fly across the country all year round. You can't beat it. Crazy service. Yeah. If you only yeah. have $80, like... Mm-hmm. You can get across the country for the money in your pocket. That's a crazy value prop. That is so I mean, far. People still go back to White Castle, even though they're running back to the bathroom like five minutes after they eat there. They keep coming back. It's just, it, it is, it, it serves a purpose. There is a market always. What, what an analogy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, I wish I wish him the best of luck. I think I, I don't know if I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Cheap flights are cool. Maybe the transporter. Do you think we'll get to that in our lifetime to beat the flights? Do you think we'll get a faster, commonly available mode of transportation than an airplane before we die? Yeah. No. I think so. Oh, no, what? I don't think so. Why not, Amy? I don't know. It- how long do it take to develop the airplane? It might not be an airplane. Whoa. Wherever the heck you want, be there on the In the metaverse, sure. I could be in LA right now if I in wanted to. In this verse? Like I that. don't know. In the metaverse, I could, <laughs> I could change the background. Who would know? LA Homes where the heart is. Paris and... if I wanted it to be in the metaverse. Who's to say that you're not? That or like some of those high-speed trains tubes underground yeah i wish we had one of those i want to go to japan just to ride with the trains it's pretty exciting yeah you've done it before yeah it's super fast how's the view train trip nothing crazy i did see mount fuji from the train though that was exciting off in the distance the camera company what's the real mountain called (laughs) no i think you're right okay i'm like fujitsu (laughs) no that's the camera company (laughs) (laughs) all right let's move to our fourth story this one is titled what we call the ownership economy with brain trust ceo adam jackson and this interview is a part of our new startup of the year vote his company is nominated in san francisco for one of the awards so he did an interview on hacker noon one of the more interesting parts of it is this idea of an ownership economy actually it's really the origin story of startups is just what people gravitate towards a lot. So we like to ask that question to nominees and new contributors. And so this guy, his first business before this was built with daytime talk show personality, Dr. Phil. And now he's going on to build a new business 
with his co-founder, Gabe, and they've been building and investing in two-sided web-enabled marketplaces their entire career. And so they're what they love about the business model, quote from the story here, create a trusted place to transact, ensure quality and reputation, build liquidity on both sides so buyers and sellers can meet, discover, price, and transact. A beautiful thing, he calls it. And now he's trying to take that to the blockchain and basically saying um, in a lot of talent marketplaces, the intermediary gets too high of a return and too much share for their marketplace. So he's looking at a better way that he calls uh, the ownership economy. And it's a form of network ownership powered by a new technology blockchain token. So after reading this story, do you know what the ownership economy is? No, not uh, quite. It didn't sink whoa. in. Uh, <laughs> I like I what I hear, There was going to be a test after. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I get the gist that you are going to, like, vouch for folks like you do when you, on LinkedIn, you say this person has certain skills in this area. You're using tokens on the blockchain, right? So, you're, and I don't know, is there actually a value, a cash value behind this or not so much then? I think the idea is that it's free, right, to to vouch for someone and to affirm their skills in some, some tech area or whatnot. Larger transactions are, yeah. So it's all about making money at the moment of transaction, right? Transact is this kind of this word he keeps coming back to, and at that point, it's having split by like a percentage as opposed to saying the platform just invents the terms. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do so, you think, Amy? This guy. Is actually going might be on the podcast at some point adam jackson yes adam jackson brain trust ceo he might be on the podcast at some point which i did not tell you prior to this episode but i think that this might be something that i might have to ask him about because yeah i don't really not that i don't understand but i don't understand the relation in the blockchain sense like I'm putting together the pieces still about the blockchain stuff. I don't know. Yeah, like from what it sounded like, you would say that this person has this uh, set of skills and you're backing it by your use of these tokens on the chain. So are you saying that every time you buy a token, you're uh, contributing to the ownership economy? Yeah, I don't know. Do you actually buy the, the tokens or what? I guess I didn't quite pick that up from this right, article. Let's There's go a lot to of questions. Trust and buy a token access. So get matched to talent. It's really from the positioning of the homepage, it's much more we're here to help you hire and it happens to be powered by blockchain. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in the model is there's much more than like and which is how these companies should be positioning themselves, I think, because it's I don't care. The customer doesn't care how it's built, they care that it works. Mm-hmm how it works okay so get approved so that's interesting right it's not just going to be like i guess that's always how it works right it's just but there's like a little bit of a walled garden to it like you have to get approved to it it's not open right now is another thing there's like a wait list at chuck e cheese don't you always have to use like chuck e cheese dollars yeah those coins for sure Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know feels a little like that (laughs) <laughs> there is a governance so i guess we could learn the governance section have you do what, what do you what terms what economies do you guys what trending economy term do you like the best here you go short list passion economy creator economy what do we have here ownership economy 
Are these all just marketing ploys of, hey, oh, do they the same thing? I don't know. I think if you get deep, like people will say they mean different things, but it feels a little bit like, oh, do you create something? Okay, you're in the economy. Well, isn't that how the economy was before? Like, <laughs> yeah, isn't that just the economy? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, is the ownership economy not just the economy? <laughs> No, but it the undertones and it implies you to take more ownership of the economy. Oh, okay. I think, right? Ownership economy. I said ownership first, so ownership economy. I create stuff, creator economy. Creator economy. Okay. I guess it's what they're just lowering the barrier to entry to commerce here on this platform. Normally you'd pay money to one person and they'd go do something on your behalf. But nowadays, we're, we're, this looks like we're trying to link people together directly, right? And so any, there's an equal playing field of being able to use your crypto tokens or coins or however they're going to uh, call it. All right. We clearly don't know this that well. Yeah. Maybe we're going to have him on the podcast. He's raised, up. I don't know if this is in total or for this project specifically, but he's raised $165 million in venture capital funding. So... The guy knows what he's talking about. He's it's got something on going on here. I don't know what it is. Happening. <laughs> the thing about this, like, I always wonder about, like, how do you fix your name on the the, the blockchain? If people are saying one thing about you, every this history of it, is it really just there forever? Yeah, like, if you spell you know, your name wrong, I think you just have to be born again. There's no renaming process. And, you can only mint it once. Yeah, you just you have to birth <laughs> yourself again, and then that's okay. one of your nine lives. And then you only oh, have no. you know, how many left? How many Chuck E. Cheese tokens do you have to do that? About though? the blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> so what is? I haven't asked you this. Maybe I should have before in interviews. Do, have you guys taken any economics classes in your life? <laughs> Never. I have. You have. I did go to business school. I did not get a degree, but I did go to business school, and I took a microeconomics class once. Sweet. We're very Do you have well. any like specific economic questions or you just want to know what my level of economic education is? <laughs> I, I thought it was useful to the listeners to understand. Tag uh, in the background. Yeah, I basically did a yeah. microeconomics 101 kind of thing. I've got a baseline understanding. <laughs> All right. I'll give you one. Here's one economics quiz that I got wrong, but I still don't know if I got it wrong. This was okay. organizational economics and they say, there's a, all of the map is represented by 10 points in a row. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Two businesses enter the map. They sell the exact same thing and the customer will buy uh, whichever store is closer. So where do the two stores end up? And so I said one store would be at two and a half and one store would be at seven and a half and both stores would get five. They both get half the market share. Oh, yeah. The uh -huh. correct answer in the class is they both go to five to compete for the whole 10. Yes. Mm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was actually going to say, I think they're both at five. And they're both <laughs> at the same number, at, at least, anyways. Sweet. A natural born capitalist. There Excellent. we go. Someone wins, right? They could also, theoretically, they could also both be at one or 10. And then all of the 10s have to go to the one. And then yeah. you just invent imaginary numbers and you're set. Make your own market. <laughs> Negative numbers? What? And then you make your own metaverse and it's whatever you want it to be. 
<laughs> All right, Richard, in this metaverse, you're a software engineer. So could you tell us about uh, a language or framework you're currently excited about? A language or framework? I think the most recent thing that I was interested in exploring more uh, was Svelte, which is where you're like, you're making applications, you're like you're compiling your entire application at a time. So it's like taking this whole idea of a static site even further so that it's, you're basically, you're deploying a static site, but a lot of your uh, logic for figuring out how things interact in real time is also done ahead of time. So it's supposed to be very efficient. And I've only played it with it superficially to do something that did not make uh, a lot of use of it. I was basically making a canvas, like that 3D game thing that you were looking at before, but I used Svelte to, to serve that, but it didn't really use a lot of like interaction on the site itself or like much routing to speak of. So I didn't really tap into it too much, but it sounds cool. Hmm. Cool. And uh, Amy, have you been uh, having any new tech tools or websites that have well, helped life? David, I'm glad you asked. I actually just received something in the mail this morning. It is, and we have not discussed this pre-podcast, so this is live extra content and it's excellent. I got this in the mail this morning. This spaceshipy looking device it makes some ocean patterns on the ceiling and it is delightful. I didn't know that I needed it so much until it arrived this morning mm. and it is great. It's going to help me with just like relaxing at night i feel you just like put it on and just fall asleep to the ocean very exciting stuff Red's obviously intense. i like Not too the relaxing blue. the blue and white okay. is kind of fun these colors must be thrilling for our audio listeners <laughs> yes but at this point that's in the podcast, podcast for you i say thank you everyone for making it to this point and richard <laughs> and amy and we'll see what happens with Spirit Airlines. And you've been Zoom Bombed, Hacker Noon Podcast. Peace. Whoa.